We're excited to share this podcast in partnership with the American Association of Nurse Anesthetists as part of the new video and audio streaming platform, the CRNA Knowledge Network. For currently active members of the ANA, you can earn free Class A continuing education credits with this podcast through January 31, 2020. Yes, you heard it right. It is free. Visit aanackn.com and log in with your AANA user ID and password to access the audio sessions. Sharon and I here at Beyond the Mask, we're happy to be part of this initiative and we hope you enjoy the show. Beyond the Mask is also made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Schedule a free consultation today at crnafinancialplanning.com. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. My co-host is Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, past president of the AANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles in the association. Our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs. We recently went on a podcast recording blitz at the ANA meeting in Chicago. We conducted lots of interviews with some of the industry's most interesting people. Well, Sharon, we're back together again. Well, you just can't get rid of me, Jeremy. Well, you know, I keep finding you in Chicago since we're here at the ANA Annual Congress doing these podcasts. Yes. The Windy City. (laughs) And we have with us today a very special guest, Miss Anna Poliak. And uh, Anna is the Senior Director of Government Affairs and Legal at the ANA. And there's some interesting things about her and her bio. I'll put it in the uh, the show notes. But you're also a BSN and JD, correct? I am guilty as charged. All right. Did so. you go to school for both of those at the same time? I did not. I was an operating room nurse. And I decided to go back to school. So I went to law school part-time and uh, finished law school and been doing a health life ever since. How long did it take you to go to law school part-time? Four years. Okay. So I was a nurse for five years before I started practicing law. And you never looked back? I look back plenty because I love nursing. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I've been very fortunate. I've been doing health law ever since I graduated. So I feel like I never left healthcare arena, which is great. Well, we are very lucky to have you. So let's talk a little bit about some of the legislative and regulatory things that CRNAs can face. And let's talk about who regulates our practice. That is a great question. When you think about regulation of CRNA practice, the first thing come to mind is state laws pertaining to nurses. You mm-hmm. know, there's practice acts and regulation. However, there's much more when it comes to regulating nursing practice. For instance, federal law, most facilities in the states want to participate in Medicare. Right. So they have to comply with Medicare conditions mm-hmm. of participation. Therefore, Medicare law applies. Also, facilities participate in Medicaid, 
Medicaid law applies. Additionally, there are a number of other regulations that you wouldn't necessarily think of regulating nursing or APRM practice in the state, such as pharmacy acts, who can dispense medication, dental laws and rules dictating who dentists can work with. So it's really important to keep in mind that many more laws other than nurse practice acts and relevant regulations that regulate CRNA practice. Also, facility bylaws and regulations, internal regulations, also govern how CRNAs can practice. For instance, we have plenty of states that have very little restrictions mm -hmm. on how CRNAs can practice in state law. However, facilities in those states can impose additional restrictions on CRNA practice. So we need to keep all of those factors in mind when we think about how CRNA practice is regulated. And why is this so important? I mean, I know that you know this is what you do every day, but our listeners obviously don't. And can you just tell us a little bit about why this topic is so important right now? Yeah, absolutely. You know, as healthcare delivery services are rapidly changing in this country, and CRNAs aim to achieve full scope of practice, in order for them to continue providing high-quality, cost-effective services, they need to understand legislative and regulatory issues that they face at the state level. Understanding these issues can help CRNAs remove barriers to practice at the state level as well as the facility level so they can continue making positive impact and delivery of healthcare services across the country. That's good. Before we dive into some of the specific legislative and regulatory issues that CRNAs face at the state level, can you tell us a little bit about some of the goals that the ANA and state associations maybe have related to CRNA practice and scope of practice? Yeah, absolutely. Our goal is to have full practice authority for CRNAs across the country. Mm -hmm. And it's a very broad term. So let me dive into it a little bit and explain what does that mean? Right. You know, CRNAs are considered APRNs. However, we don't necessarily have APRN titles for CRNAs in all 50 states. So we want to make sure that all CRNAs are considered APRNs in their given states, which in many states give them certain protection and certain ability to practice. We also want to make sure that the Board of Nursing is sole regulator for all APRNs, including CRNAs. We want to make sure that they have independent practice with no restrictive physician involvement and independent prescriptive authority. Those are just, that's just an overview of what we're trying to accomplish. Obviously, as you dive into each area, there are many, many more specific details, but that's a broad view of what we're trying to accomplish. Right. So this is the same fight that we always talk about. Exactly. Scope of practice and being under the anesthesiologist's thumb. So all <laughs> CRNAs are under just the Board of Nursing in all states, or are there any examples where they're not? I know MPs have that problem. Yes, yes. And what we've been seeing is actually a movement by our physician counterparts to move CRNAs from being regulated by the Board of Nursing to being put mm -hmm. under the umbrella of a medical board, and we obviously try to avoid that because Board of Nursing is really in the best position to regulate APRNs, including CRNAs. But we've had seen in the last few years efforts by our physician counterparts to try to move APRNs from Boards of Nursing to being regulated by the Board of Medicine. Oh, well, I know they would love to do that in North Carolina, and we've been fighting that battle for quite some time. So we're always remain very, very vigilant on that. And we, you know, we have tracking service at the ANA where we track regulations in all 50 states. One of my colleagues does it full time. That's, that's his fun, daily fund. But uh, we remain very, very vigilant to see when those proposals come out. We work very closely with state associations to make sure that it doesn't happen. I'm glad you mentioned that tracking service because it is a wonderful service. And I don't think that a lot of CRNA members understand that. Can you tell a little bit more about it? It's a 
fabulous thing, especially whenever you're government relations at the state level or president. But tell the members what you guys do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tracking service is a tool that allows you to track legislation in all 50 states. And what we do, we come up with keywords, Mm -hmm. anything related to healthcare, CRNAs, delivery of care. So we probably we have hundreds of keywords, anything from anesthesia to CRNAs to nurse, you know, and prescriptive authority and what have you. So my colleague Bruce Elaine keeps track of what comes through the tracking service. He reviews an average of 15,000 legislative proposals a year, and that's not counting oh regulation. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, so Jeez. he reviews many, many bills, you know, and those bills are pages and pages long. He reviews literally thousands of pages a week, and he identifies those that we believe will have impact on CRNA practice, and we put them on what's called the tracking report mm-hmm. that's sent to each state leadership and indicates to them is it of high importance, is that just as an FYI, and we track those proposals that we think may have impact on CRNA practice. And we remain, you know, obviously work very closely with state association because many a times their lobbyists would know about this proposal way ahead of time because they have their ear in the ground. I mm-hmm. think North Carolina, Sharon, mm-hmm. is a perfect example. You guys always know what's right. going to happen before it happens, and that's really a good place to be, and that emphasizes the importance of having those relationships at the state level. But we at the ANA, almost as a backup to the state's lobbyists' own way of tracking these bills, we have it here at the ANA, and we track it, and we review it, and make sure we identify issues that may have impact on uh, CRNA practice. It's a great service, and our state also does a tracking service, too, so it's kind of a double layer of security, but it's also nice. The reason why we know is uh, it's nice to know people in bill drafting, (laughs) so you know what bills are coming down uh, the pike. So let's talk about how CRNAs are regulated on the state level. And I know it's different in every single state, and that's what makes your job extremely hard. Extremely fun. I think you meant to say fun, right? (laughs) Hard and fun. I don't know. I was just sitting there flipping through those bills in my mind, reading all those bills, going, oh, my God, just shoot me now. But uh, I'm glad there are people that like to do it. Uh, Yes, we do like what we do. And we also see the outcome of what we do and the benefit that it brings not only to CRNAs but to the patients that they serve. So it's really always good to see the end result of what we do, the tracking, you know, wordsmithing, and ultimately hopefully having a positive outcome when it comes to CRNA practice at the state level. So how are CRNAs regulated? I think I kind of briefly mentioned that you have, you know, your nursing laws and regulations, you have your facility laws, you have other laws such as pharmacy laws, you have your federal law. So it's kind of an overall umbrella and it's almost like putting together pieces of the puzzle Mm -hmm to identify exactly what does their name practice in a given state looks like. And, you know, just to let you know, our members never have to be at it alone. For instance, if you're a member in North Carolina and you're practicing and you're wondering, well, what does my practice look like? Can I work in X setting or can I do Mm -hmm. pain management or can I do other services, you don't have to be at it alone. Actually, if you call us, state government affairs, we can't give you legal advice because all of us practice in Illinois as attorneys and not in North Carolina. Carolina. But we can pull the language for you. We actually track it. We have, like I said, we're kind of legal nerds. So we have (laughs) charts upon charts of information. So if you call me and say, hey, Anna, can you give me the rugs for North Carolina? We'll pull them for you. We'll send them to you. You can, for instance, your question is, can I do dental in North Carolina? And what does it look like? So we'll pull all of that information for you and have it and send it to you so you can look at it yourself or maybe have your attorney look at it, but at least it gives you a great starting point. So so we have all of that, and like I said, it's like putting together pieces of the mm-hmm. puzzle. Fortunately, you have us, and we can help you with that so you're not going at it alone. 
So that's kind of the gist of it. We look usually, you know, other than looking at specific areas like dentistry or other specialties where CNAs practice, we look at the basic areas such as supervision, prescriptive authority. Those are the big areas where we focus a lot of our attention. You know, in the last few years, pain management has been pretty high on the radar too. So we look in that area too. So when we try to see what practice looks like, we look at those few areas, you know. So, you know, under federal, obviously, there is state supervision requirement or physician involvement. We broadly say supervision, but really we look at all physician involvement. Our goal is to have no restrictive physician involvement when it comes to CRNA, whether it be direction, presence, collaboration, cooperation, protocol. So we try to get rid of all of it. But supervision obviously has mm-hmm. been a hot potato because under CMS conditions of participation for Part A reimbursement, remember right. how I said uh, you have to be you have to be enrolled in Medicare as a facility in order to get reimbursed. You have to comply with conditions of participation. There's a supervision requirement for CRNAs for states that have not opted out. Right. States that have no supervision in their state law are able to opt out from the federal supervision requirement. And that's why it's been very, very hard in the recent years to remove the word supervision. Literally, it can be just the word supervision. There may be a presence requirement, there may be other restrictive requirements, but that word supervision is kind of like the golden word. Right. So in the last decade, believe it or not, we've only been able to remove it in one state. We've been able to remove it in the state of Rhode Island. Right. There are other states that have actually made wonderful, wonderful progress in the last few years, and we are very proud of them. And, you know, some states have moved it as far as removing it from state law and and passing it through one of the houses, but they just haven't quite Mm -hmm. gotten to the finish line just yet. So um, supervision has been a very big area where we focus a lot of our attention. Currently, 40 states have no supervision requirement in Nurse Practice Acts or Medical Practice Acts or their rules or regulations or their genetic equivalents. 33 states have no supervision requirements in Nurse Practice Acts and hospital rules and regulations. So mm-hmm. technically, 33 states are eligible for an opt-out as of today. 17 of them have already opted out, and we're obviously always hoping for, for more. One more. We're hoping for one more. So um, we're very happy to say that our states are trying. They're working with the governors. We have a couple of states that are exploring the options. So that's always something that's very much in the radar. So supervision is supervision or physician involvement. That's one of the big areas where CRNAs are regulated. And it really does impact CRNA practice on the state level. Hi, everyone. This is Jeremy. You've heard the promos about Our Hearts, Your Hands, founded by Sharon's good friend, Jackie Rolls. It is a charitable organization that supports global nurse anesthetists from low- and middle-income countries by providing educational scholarships and grant money for books and equipment. Sharon and I are committed to supporting this organization. They're currently seeking donations to send African nurse anesthetists to the first Pan-African Nurse Anesthetist Conference in Kenya, June 11th through the 13th. $1,000 will cover registration, travel, and food for one delegate. You can make a difference in the access to safe anesthesia care in Africa. Support your colleagues through your tax deduction donation. Any amount will be appreciated. See the link in our show notes to donate. If I can go back to something you said earlier, because I'm not too sure that members know about this either. And this is a huge member added value. You can call and find out about your practice. For instance, what if I decide that 
if I ever get a grandbaby and I might go to Wisconsin <laughs> and live and work. Boy, there's no subliminal message there. If you, if you do that, but go ahead. <laughs> no pressure on my son-in-law who's a CRNA here, but um, uh, if I ever want to go and practice some in Wisconsin and I'm, I don't know about their particular state laws and what my practice could be, I can call you and you can tell me. You'll give me a synopsis of Ab- Absolutely. You call us a state government affairs division and we're always there. You know, we're, we go to state associations at meetings at times, but usually one of us is always at the office. And essentially what we do, we'll pull the Wisconsin law summary for you and we'll say, you know, this is what Wisconsin practice looks like for you, Sharon. And we can also refer you to resources within the state. We usually know leadership of the state association so we can connect you as well and get you to talk to a practicing CRNA in that state so they can really give you what it looks like you know on the ground so wow. absolutely that's a wow. great benefit you it know is, it, it just come up in my mind I uh, spoke at a meeting recently and became friends with a CRNA Diana Gibson and she travels from state to state working locums and we had mm-hmm. this discussion and what a great benefit Diana, if you're listening, you can call Anna the next time that you make another move to uh, do some locums in another state. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, a lot of the calls we do are the locums. For those who are considering doing locums at a nearby state, you know, you live in Illinois, you're thinking of going and working in Indiana. Can you tell me what my practice in Indiana would look like? Because it's very different from state to state. You know, you'd be surprised how different restrictions are from state to state or opportunities. Let's not call the restrictions. Right. The opportunities are I from like state that. to state for CRNA practice. So absolutely, you can call us a state government affairs. Like I said, and you know, we're not reinventing the wheel. Many times we already have this information filed away amongst many charts and graphs that we keep. So we have that information handy. If not, we look it up for you. In many areas, for instance, in dental, we usually pull it up right from state regulations because many regulations change literally monthly, daily. They can change right. pretty frequently. So you'll always get up-to-date information from us in any practice area they're trying to explore well i do think uh, it is but you know we were having some discussions in our business meeting about regions and alignments practice truly is different in regions you know the southern states nurse practitioners are dual boarded and i think four states are left and they're all southern states so we may not be quite as progressive as new england <laughs> and so i think it re- truly is regionalized yeah. but what a nice benefit yeah. this is absolutely and we encourage your to take advantage of it that's why we're here <laughs> <laughs> and are there particular hot states currently with uh, things going on you know i keep hearing about oklahoma and florida are there states right now that you can kind of talk about that are going through certain issues that you guys are spending time helping them at the current moment? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're always well. Right now, we're off legislative session, so but you know our goal is always to start working with the states ahead of the legislative mm-hmm. session, so we can that they can be best position when legislative session starts. We always say that when legislative session starts, it's almost too late to start working on the issues and relationships. And Sharon, you know this. Oh, yes. You have such great <laughs> relationships in North Carolina, and those are the things you work on really year around. So we are currently actually at a business meeting yesterday. They talked about a pilot program that ANA is rolling out. We are working with three states that have in the last year dealt with a supervision issue, and that's Oklahoma, Alabama, and um Oh, gosh, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> That's okay. We understand how that yeah, goes. We'll, we'll roll with two yeah, then. In Arkansas, That's it. Sorry, Oklahoma, Alabama, and Arkansas. The Arkansas is actually our pilot state. We um, have created a national website that's going to be customized state by state. And the goal is to have 
all 50 states be eligible for it. So we started with supervision and in the future we'll roll out something very similar for mm -hmm. prescriptive authority and it's really designed to help educate folks on the ground in those states on the issues that are hot topics like supervision and prescriptive right. authority. So those are just the three states that we're working with on this pilot program. We'll also institute the social media campaign for them. Again, working closely together with their lobbyists mm -hmm. to determine the timeline that works for them because every state is very different. Right. We are also going to be working with other states on the issues of prescriptive authority, but those are the three states that are hot. Florida has made excellent progress last year on their supervision bill, and we really do have a number of others, not just necessarily in the ETH area. We have states that have worked in the area of fluoroscopy. We had a couple of states that passed fluoroscopy mm -hmm. bills last year, and you know, fluoroscopy is important in the area of pain management mm -hmm. because you know, when people think about pain management battles that CRNAs have faced, they think about reimbursement and the ability of CRNA to do pain management. But really, CRNA's ability to supervise fluoroscopy is just as important. So last year, we had two states, Oregon and Missouri, that were able to pass fluoroscopy legislation. So yes, a um, number of states that are prepping for the hot legislative session because we anticipated to be busy right. and really a lot of issues on the table. So we're very, very excited. So another area that we see a lot of uh, activity in is prescriptive authority. You know, in the past, customary CRNA practice was not considered everyday prescriptive authority share and you know right. this because you don't always write a script for folks exactly. to go home with you know the common perception was that CRNAs didn't need to prescriptive authority to practice under state law all they needed to do is to have ability to select mm -hmm. order and administer medication you know pre-posted intraoperatively but many more states have really moved forward to try to get prescriptive authority for all CRNAs and that's been a big undertaking and we've had a lot of successes in the last few years so that's been another battleground for us and for CRNAs at the state level. So that's another area where we see a lot of activity. And, you know, over 30 states have prescriptive authority, but it varies based on whether it's independent and what scheduled drugs CRNAs can prescribe. So it's another battleground that we're working on, and we've had a lot of successes there. And that ties into, unfortunately, into the opioid epidemic. Right. A lot of times our physician counterparts throw out a red herring saying, oh, you know, they're going to start writing prescriptions, the world will end, mm. and it's really right. not true. But we have to, we're coming in in a disadvantage in that we have to prove why why we do need it and why the patients would benefit from it. So, Well, they've given us a great model to work from so far. What do yeah. you think <laughs> <laughs> about that? Well, I'm glad to hear that most states are out of session. At the time of this taping, North Carolina is still in session and we don't have a budget. You're and, like Illinois, basically. We, we haven't yeah. had a budget in years. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, as long as your legislative session is in, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is always in danger but <laughs> well said <laughs> well said so we've talked about some of the hot button issues what advice would you have to the practicing crnas out there and what can they do to kind of move the needle forward yeah you know it's a question that we get asked a lot and I think there's just so much more opportunity these days because when folks think about advocating for their practice in the state, they automatically think about advocating in the state house, right? But I think the advocacy really starts at the facility level. Mm -hmm. Informing your CEOs and facility leadership about what CRNAs are educated to do, 
what you're able to deliver for the facility, what your scope of practice is, I think it really starts there. And I can't tell you how many CRNAs have come to us recently and said, give me some talking points. I want to talk to my facility administrator. I want to educate them on what CRNAs are able to do. So to me, that's a first battlefield. Right. To me, that's the most important battlefield. Start educating at the facility level. And then get involved with your state association. You know, there are lobby days. There's so many opportunities at the state association. Sharon, you know this mm-hmm. by serving in the leadership position in North Carolina. There are always so many opportunities. Show up to the lobby day. Call your state association. Start working in the committee. And from there on, you can start advocating for practice. It doesn't need to be, you know, I think folks these days are so busy. They're worried about the time commitment. But really, start small, micro-volunteering, show up to right. a lobby day, show up to one event, go talk to your legislator. I mean, Sharon, you, the North Carolina guys, I keep bringing you as an example, but you kind of a model because you have excellent relationships with your legislators, and I think your members do as well. You know, go to your local legislator's event, whatever it may be, and get to know them because the key to building those relationships is to have them before you need them. Absolutely. Coming in last minute, introducing yourself and making an ask is a very difficult task to do. If you have those relationships, if you've supported your legislator ahead of time and educated them on what you do, that is really the key. So do it ahead of time. For CRNAs who are out there, if you're listening, start building those relationships. You know, we've had states that brought in their legislators into their operating room. How about that? Mm-hmm. And then they were able to push what they needed to push forward because legislators, legislators are lay people for the most part, right? right? Surgery, you know, unless you have it, and even when you have it, you're mostly asleep, right? Nobody really right. understands who does anesthesia, who provides those services. And I think it's so important for folks to know that CRNAs really are the ones providing care out there at the facility. So get to know your legislator, bring them to your facility, educate them, and educate the administrators of the facility. And then when the issue comes forward, you're in a good position to make those asks because their relationship was already built. I mean, Sharon, from your experience in North Carolina, I think you guys have done an outstanding job and tell me if I'm wrong, but that's how you did it. You built those Absolutely. relationships well ahead of time. Well, you know, and you can start at any point. The first lobby day that we ever had in North Carolina, I was president-elect of North Carolina, so that must have been about the year 2000. We had six CRNAs that showed up at our first lobby day. And now we have a couple of hundred people come to our lobby day. And fast forward, I did take a legislator into our operating room. He ultimately ran for governor and was unsuccessful. And now he lobbies for our association. Yeah, come, Patrick. Sp- spoke at our meeting too. He was wonderful. Absolutely. He spoke at our so track. You never know back. where these relationships may or you know, what kind of power position they may wind up in. I certainly didn't think the first time I ever walked in Patrick's office in about the year 2000 that one day he would be lobbying for yeah. us. Well, so you never know where these relationships will wind up at. Well, you know, and it, so that goes for educating legislators. Educating your facility administrator also can be helpful. We know that many of the healthcare facilities are going through transformation right now. We see so much acquisition, we see so much change, and for the facility administrators to know what CRNAs are able to bring to the table before they make those critical decisions about what the practice will look like once the hospital goes through transformation is really critical. I can't tell you how many CRNA groups have called us and said, our hospital has been acquired by a larger system, their model is different, they don't understand what we are able to do. 
And for those of them who had relationships ahead of time and who kept mm-hmm. their administrators informed, they were in a such better position than those who didn't have those relationships and were kind of really coming in at the tail end of the transaction that the hospital has undergone and they weren't able to change the practice model that was being implemented at the facility. So I think that's huge too, like I said, advocating at the state level, but also at the facility level, educating and removing those barriers to CRNA practice, showing what CRNAs are able to deliver. Well, you bring up a good point in getting involved in your facility. You might not want to be president of your state nurse anesthetist association but being involved at your facility getting on committees people knowing who you are and people are not aware i think that's what class b credits are also about physicians have been doing this forever and they get continuing education credit for being involved in different things so if you serve on a committee even at a hospital level you can get continuing education credits i know this is kind of tangential to the conversation but you know it's helpful it's very helpful and it'll help you in your you know educating the facility level but also the state level because like i said we in 2019 we had so much movement we had a number of states that moved forward to remove supervision you know already talked about arkansas oklahoma alabama South Carolina, West Virginia, and also we had states trying to remove collaboration. I talked about other Mm -hmm. restrictions. You know, we had Mississippi try to remove collaboration, New Mexico, Wisconsin. So I think in the next few years, we'll see a lot more legislative activity. What I've seen is that legislators at the state level, I think, are realizing that the healthcare land feel is changing mm-hmm. and they're becoming more open-minded you almost said landmine landmine <laughs> landscape landmine it could be a landmine sometimes you know depending where you step it was a Freudian slip <laughs> depending where you step baby. you know I practice I live in a particular world full of landmines right and they you are a lawyer basis. <laughs> but um but truly I think we are seeing a lot more successes because legislators are realizing times are changing they want to do what's best for their constituents mm-hmm. it's really no longer about the turf war they realize that they want to increase access to care allow better delivery of services to their constituents and i think we'll have we'll have many successes ahead of us hey anna you know so many crnas that we talk to are so turned off by the legislative process and the political side of this and which is why we usually see what 90 10 rule you know you got 10 percent that are active and 90 percent that really aren't and, you know, we started this series uh, last year. We did one with Randy talking about, you know, what if the ANA didn't exist? And I've always been a big advocate and talked to Sharon mm-hmm. about is, you know, we've got to educate CRNAs on why this is important. And my idea is you've got to equate it down to every single person. And I think the ASA has done a wonderful job doing this. I mean, right. they've equated this down and said, you know what? These CRNAs are going to take your job. You came out of school with $600,000 in debt. You spent X amount of years, and you're not going to have a position for you. And I think CRNAs need to do a better job of doing that as well and being able to equate it down to that CRNA, that personal mm-hmm. level. I don't know how we do that, but I, I talk about that a lot. And I talked about it with Randy. And, you know, any thoughts about that? Because it, we really do. I mean, we talk about being active. If it's 10%, that's a lot. There's a lot of CRNAs out there that just don't want any part of this process. What do you say to that? Yeah, and I think it goes back to CRNAs being nurses and just wanting to deliver the care. I'm a nurse myself, obviously. I'm not a CRNA. We just want to deliver care. We just want to take care of the patient. 
I would say that the times are changing so quickly, that the healthcare delivery models and reimbursement is changing so quickly. I don't think sitting back is an option at this point. At this point, we need all hands on deck to protect the practice. Right. Or like you said, ASA has done a fantastic job of you know arming their troops and sending them out there. So at the end of the day, I think our arguments are better. Our story's better. We're the ones delivering the care out there in the field. So really, I think CRNAs need to stand up and protect their practice and their patients because things are changing pretty rapidly. So you want to be ahead of the game. Yeah. And, you know, as we talk about scope of practice, I mean, you know, in the sign of a pin, mm-hmm. um, you know, things could change in a particular state for CRNAs that could affect their income, how they okay. practice, where they practice. And I think that needs to be gotten out a little bit more because that is that level that I think would cause a CRNA to say, hey, you know, I think what the average income across the country is, what, 187 this year or something. What if they cut that to 120? Yeah. And how would that affect you as a CRNA? And, you know, really dig in on that level. And that's, again, you know, coming from me from the money side, the financial side, because that's my background. But I really do think that somehow we've got to get that message out there, even if you got five more percent of CRNAs to start to do something that could be a big movement I couldn't agree with you more like I said I don't think sitting back is an option at this point things are changing so quickly we do need everybody to step up so absolutely absolutely. yeah all right so as a closing do you do you have any predictions for the legislative and regulatory landscape for CRNAs maybe in the upcoming years or any things that you think need to be gotten out there Victory for all. <laughs> I like it. Uh, you know, I, I think I think we're going to see a lot more movement. I think we're going to see things moving forward much more quickly. In the past, you know, in the past we were kind of chipping away at things, you know, in either supervision or prescriptive authority. We've seen many more states move forward with the larger bills that include everything, entire scope of practice, consensus model legislation. So I think we'll see more movement at the state level. I think we'll see more victories because like I said, the landscape is changing so rapidly. Like, And that's why we need everybody to step up and start working with their state associations, start getting the information out there. And I anticipate our legislative session uh, next year to be very, very busy. Well, I do think there's never been a better time to be a CRNA than right now. I mean, the water is tumultuous to be sure, but we will rise to the top of this. I absolutely believe that. It's the time to act when there's blood in the water, right? That's right. Yeah. Yep. Time is I, now. The I time like is now. That. <laughs> All right. So we don't work you hard enough, maybe, because I understand that you are organizing a charity race. Tell us about that. I am. I'm organizing a charity race. I started about uh, four years ago. We started with 120 people, maybe, including friends mm-hmm. and family. Right. And this year, I think we're going to go well over 500. We You're turned kidding. it into a bubble run. We added bubbles last year, you know, bubble run. Where oh, that everybody runs fun. in the bubbles. Uh-huh. How long? So, how far uh, do you have to run? You can only, you can do either one mile or five miles. Okay. So one mile wow. is an option. We have kids races and actually happening right in Park Ridge. ANA has been very, very supportive. Many of the staff are coming out either to run or to volunteer. Nice. And um, it's a lot of fun. So if you're in Chicago area, come on out this next Saturday, August 17th at 8 o'clock in Park Ridge. We're actually literally almost in front of the ANA at Hodge Park. So well, it's wow. beautiful down where our headquarters are. And, our, yeah. the and it runs to be great. through there? It, it runs, runs through literally there? through there, and the weather's supposed to be in the 80s. So if you can do a normal rain dance for me, please do so. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. It's well, to we'll be beautiful. It's looking good so it. far. We'll so tell Pierce. 
we'll have we'll have all the people here as he's DJing do the rain dance to keep the to <laughs> the keep rain the away. rain away to keep the yes, rain we're away. Very excited. So it benefits pediatric cancer. It's a, yes, it's a foundation that helps to pay for transportation expenses for kids undergoing right. uh, cancer treatment. So so is all, there a personal story why you got involved in this? A friend of mine had a child who had cancer. He had neuroblastoma mm. at oh, a very young my. age. So I at some point started volunteering with this charity. I asked them if they do a five k. They said no, I, and I said, why not do it? No idea why I said that, because I've never organized a 5K before. <laughs> it was one of those days probably when right. I drank a little too much cough, caffeine, <laughs> yes. um, that's what happened. So, um, and we tried it, this is gonna be our fourth year, and uh, we're doing great. Like I said, I think we're gonna be well over 500 runners. We have uh, six oh, wow. billboards around Chicago area that were donated for us. So um, nice. a lot of publicity. I think we're gonna be on the local news sometimes this week, and we're very, very excited. That's great. So, great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sharon, I think that's a wrap. We want to thank you, Anna, for being here with us today. This has been very enlightening and uh, good stuff. Thank you for having me. Well, we want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mask with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. If you're a fan, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate us, leave us a review. It helps listeners find us. And please share our episodes out on social media so we can get the word out. That's a wrap. Hi, everybody. This is Jeremy. Remember back in episode 45 when my co-hosts Sharon Pierce and Kimberly Gordon talked about the candidate school for nurses that they're piloting at Yale for May of 2020. The application process opened on January 1st. If you're a nurse or a nurse anesthetist and interested in running for elected office or even if you're interested in managing another nurse's campaign, you will not want to miss this opportunity. As the first candidate school for nurses in the country, you will want to be in the inaugural class. Just go to the Yale Nursing website and search Candidate School for Nurses and apply today. Like what you're hearing? Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry. Or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group. Today's show was made possible by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. 
or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. And thanks for your support of Beyond the Mask. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny.